Welcome in. We're glad you're joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Biblecast, a podcast ministry from Delaware Bible Church. I'm Brad Harris. I serve as pastor of administration and outreach here at Delaware Bible Church. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to guess that you have listened to one or two or even three of our podcast series so far on modern cults and world religions. This is going to be a shorter podcast than what we normally do, and it's going to be the second part of the podcast that I shared of uh, the Mormon faith, part two, and this is going to be part three, where we talk specifically about sharing God's word with Mormons. Now, I would encourage you to check out the first two podcasts on Mormons if you haven't already and you're listening in, because that's going to serve as the foundation for what we're looking at in this podcast. And in this podcast, I'm going to be focusing our time specifically on sharing God's word with Mormons as the opportunity allows you to do so. And with that, I am going to be quoting from an article from NAMB, the North American Mission Board, and it is a comparison chart that they have between Mormonism and Christianity. Now, this is something that uh, I have shared in the Sunday School class on modern cults and world religions that I've been teaching, the Delaware Bible Institute class. And so you can find the link to this chart on the church website, DelawareBible.org. If you scroll down on the homepage, you will see Delaware Bible Institute. And if you click there in current courses, or it may be in previous courses, depending on when you listen to this podcast. But if you look there, you will find a button that says Modern Cults and World Religions. And this is going to be from Mormons Part 2 of that lecture. And you will find a link to this Or you can just look up NAMB, uh, Comparison Chart, Mormonism, and Christianity. If you search that in Google, you should probably be able to find it pretty easily as well. Now, during our last podcast, I mentioned that if I have the opportunity to share God's word with a Mormon, then I'm going to look at five key areas. First of all, I'm going to look at special revelation. And if possible, I'm going to talk to them about special revelation and how they then receive the truth and know truth and how they know that their Bible is true. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but just overviewing these. Next, I would then look at Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ and what is his importance in your faith? Is he truly the Son of God? who had the same perfection as God, who was part of the Trinity with God, and was he truly the one who died for your sins and gave you a way of salvation? If that's not the case, then we would call it a false religion, which we would in this case. And alongside that, we're going to be looking at the Trinity, who is God the Father, who is God the Son, who is the Holy Spirit, But as well, we're going to look at soteriology. What do they believe about salvation? What do they believe about the sinfulness of man? And what do they believe about salvation by grace through faith alone and Jesus Christ alone? 
Now last, and I shared this last time, this is not going to be the main area that I focus on, but it is an important one, and that is ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. And as we studied in the Mormon faith, the doctrine of the church is one where they believe that we're all in error. Now, praise the Lord, we're in error, but we're still all going to heaven. But they believe that the Mormon church is the one true church, and we have not been enlightened to that truth through the Book of Mormon. And as we've looked at the errors of that, and as we've looked at uh, what they believe and why, again, we're going to first say that that comes from special revelation. On where do they get what they believe to be true, and what's its authority? Now, looking at that NAMB comparison chart, it says that historical Christianity says this, that the Bible, Old and New Testaments, is the unique, revealed, and inspired Word of God. It is the sole authority for faith and for practice for Christians. That is much different than Mormonism, where they recognize the four standard works as authoritative. They say that that's the Bible, as far as it is translated correctly. The Book of Mormon, which again, as we shared, is on the same playing field as the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's viewed the same way. And as they shared, Joseph Smith declared it is the most correct of any book on earth and the keystone of our religion, and a man would get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than any other book. They also have the Doctrine and Covenants, as we shared, basically their handbook. It's on the same level of scripture. And the Pearl of Great Price that helps to, quote, clarify the doctrines and teachings that were lost from the Bible and gives additional information concerning the creation of the earth. The church's president is regarded as a seer, a revelator, a translator, and a prophet. And as well, he can receive special revelation from God. Now, as we look at the historic Christian faith and what we believe, this is much different. And what they're going to believe on these things, we're going to say is an error, and it is a false gospel. <clears throat> In fact, if we were to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15-17, through 17, they say, And how from child you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out, it is inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, to show you what's wrong, for correction, to show you how to fix that, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so as we look at this, we hold to sola scriptura, to scripture alone. We hold to the truth of the word of God, and different than the other books that the Mormons have that they believe to be true and right, we have more evidence of the Bible being true, being accurate, being right, than any other historical book of its time. So that being said, when the Mormons say, for example, that the golden tablets were descended back up into heaven, were gone, they have no other proof 
other than what Joseph Smith said as to their religion being true. We have document upon document upon document upon document that shows us that this is truth. And so as I talk to a Mormon, my big thing, probably bigger than anything else, is show me where you get the truth. And if you can hold them to Scripture alone, to the Bible alone, and as we said, they're going to want to use the King James, and that's fine. I would much rather use the King James than their inspired version, the one that Joseph Smith does. Uh, the one that has errors there where he took stuff out and he added stuff. But as you look at God's word there, if you can hold them to that, that's going to be a great victory. Because then you're able to confront them with passages like what we just looked at. You're also able to look at passages such as 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19-21, through 21, where it says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Not Joseph Smith's interpretation, not Brad Harris's interpretation, not your interpretation, no one else's interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We have the complete, full, and perfect word of God today. That is a gift from our Creator, and as well as we look at it, it has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. We can glorify God completely and fully through his word. And as we interact with Mormons, as we share our faith with them, we hold to scripture alone in that. And so being able to share that with them is going to be a major thing. But with that as well, remember that they are going to have been taught to isolate certain passages, to twist scripture, to believe what Joseph Smith said in this. They're going to add to the history of the earth. They're going to believe that they are continually working towards their salvation and becoming gods. And so we have to refute these things, and we have to do it alone from the Bible. So the first key area that I would look to address is special revelation. The next one, though, is who they view Jesus Christ as. And so as we look at historical Mormonism, the comparison chart says this, that Jesus was the spiritual, quote, firstborn, son of God in the preexistence. Every person who has ever been born or on earth was our spirit brother or sister in heaven. The first spirit born to our heavenly parents was Jesus Christ. So he is literally our, our eldest brother, as the gospel principles say. And now verily I say to you, unto you, I was in the beginning with the Father and am the firstborn. Doctrine of Covenants shares with us. He is also, quote, the only begotten physical offspring of God by procreation on earth. Gospel principle says Jesus is the only person on earth to be born of a mortal mother and an immortal father. That is why he is called the, quote, only begotten son. His atonement, 
death, and resurrection provides immortality for all people regardless of their faith. Christ thus overcame physical death. Because of his atonement, everyone born on this earth will be resurrected. This condition is called immortality. All people who ever lived will be resurrected, both old and young, both bond and free, both male and female, both the wicked and the righteous. This is from the Book of Mormon. So as we look at this, we believe that Jesus Christ was the virgin-born God incarnate who existed in all time with the Father and the Holy Spirit in the eternal trinity. The comparison chart continues to say, As a man, he possessed two natures, human and divine. He lived a sinless life and willingly died on the cross as a sacrifice for, for the sin of all humanity. Now with that, alongside that, we believe that because with our humanity, we will die. And our death shows us again our need of salvation. We're not going to live forever. We're not going to work our way to becoming a God. We will die and we will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. And Jesus Christ has made a way for us to have a relationship with God again. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 through 11 says this, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was in the form of God. Yet he emptied himself... By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, Mormon, Protestant, atheist, everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Scripture also says that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to be reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or on heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's Colossians chapter number 1, verses 13 through 22. A beautiful picture of our Savior, of his love, and of his saving grace for us. Now, next, we've talked about special revelation. 
We've talked about how they view Jesus Christ, but we're going to talk about the Trinity as a whole. We've spent a lot of time talking about Jesus, so we're going to focus much of our time here talking about the doctrine of God the Father and of a little bit on the Holy Spirit. But historic in historic Christianity, we believe that the one God is a spirit who is the personal, eternal, infinite creator of all that exists. He is the only God and necessary for all other things to exist. He exists eternally as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mormonism believes that God, their quote, Heavenly Father, is an exalted man with a physical body of flesh and bone. Joseph Smith said, If the veil were rent today, and the great God who holds the world in its orbit, and who upholds all worlds and all things by his power, was to make himself visible, I say, if you were to see him today, you would see him like a man in form. This is from teachings from the prophet Joseph Smith. The Trinity is denied with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, seen as three separate entities. The Father, quote, has a body of flesh and bones and tangible as man's. The Son also, but the Holy Ghost has not a body of flesh and bones, but is a personage of spirit. Were it not so, the Holy Ghost could not dwell in us. This is from Doctrine and Covenants. And so as we look at this, we look at the doctrine of, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to the doctrine of God, we have to make sure that we are seeing that it is a three in one. Isaiah chapter 44 verses 6 through 8 say, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from old and declared it? And are you, or you are my witnesses? Is there a God besides me? There is no rock, I know not any. There is only one God like this, and he is the three in one. The Great Commission passage in Matthew 28, 19-20, we're only going to look at verse 19, where it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. These are the three in one. We've focused most of our time on the doctrine of Jesus Christ, but we're going to focus on one more verse, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand on the majesty on high. Finally then, one passage on the Holy Spirit, John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's John 14, 26. And so we remember with this that these are the three in one. This is the unified God. And there are parts of this that we're not going to be able to fully understand. But again, as we look at who Jesus Christ is, and as we look at 
what the scripture tells us, and as we look at where we receive this revelation from the Bible, and solely from the Bible, and we have evidence of it, we should be able then to help and talk to Mormons about these things. Now, I'm going to focus the majority of my time talking to a Mormon, sharing with them about special revelation, where do they get that truth, and where can it be found, and pushing that it's from the Bible alone. I'm going to be talking about Jesus Christ. I'm going to be sharing the gospel with them. But as well, along with that, we can be sharing with them the sinfulness of man and salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. Mormons believe that humans become gods, or can become gods, I should say. Now, although we are made in God's image, God does not have a body, and we believe in our total depravity, that we are made uh, to have sin, that well, we were originally created not to have sin, but yet we all are born with sin-cursed bodies. And so, as we talk to these people, we talk about those realities. No, we're not gods. No, we are not perfect. We have missed the mark. And as we look at the doctrine of salvation, historic Christianity believes this, that salvation is released from the guilt and power of sin through God's gift of grace. It is provided through Christ's atonement and received by personal faith and Christ as Savior and Lord. And this is a great time for you to share the gospel with them. Mormonism, though, believes this, that Jesus' atonement provided immortality for all people. Exaltation, Godhood, is available to only to Mormons through obedience to the Latter-day Saints' teaching, to faith, baptism, endowment, celestial marriage, and tithing. The Doctrine and Covenants say, Wherefore, as it is written, they are gods, even the sons of God, wherefore all things are theirs. Now there are blessings given to these exalted people. They live eternally in the presence of the Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ at the top ring of the kingdom uh, of heaven. They will become gods. They will have their righteous family members with them and will be able to have spirit children also. And those children will have that same relationship to them as we have with our Heavenly Father, with their eternal family. They will receive fullness of joy. And they will have everything that our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ have. Power, glory, dominion, and knowledge, as gospel principle states. This is not what we believe. We believe that we will be in heaven, exalting our Creator forever. And really, what's going to have to happen, as you share with these people, is a work of God that only God can do. God's got to save them. God's got to show them their depravity and their need for a Savior. And so I'm going to be sharing the gospel with them. I'm going to be sharing with them Romans Road how they are a sinner, how they are in need of a Savior. How was Romans 10, chapter, or ch chapter 10, verses 9 through 11 say, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Regardless of your religious background, regardless of what you have believed, God will save you if you call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. As well, as I'm going to take on the passages such as Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God. Not a result of works. You can't work your way towards it as the Mormons try so hard to do. So that no one may boast. We cannot boast of ourselves as our saving God. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so a big thing that I'm going to push is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be, during my time before, if I know that I'm going to meet with them, I'm going to be praying, and I'm going to be asking God to reveal his truth to these people. Now, God can work miracles there as only he can do. But just remember that their teachings about salvation, the the works that they feel like they are doing in order to get a more godlike status in heaven, receiving the glory and honor that Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit receive. That's going to be something where the Holy Spirit is going to have to work and completely open up their eyes to the false nature, the false teaching that they have received. But God can do that. He's done just as incredible things before, and he will continue to for his glory. Finally then, though, I would talk to them about the church, and I list these in an order of importance. I would start, ultimately the gospel is the most important, but I do think that we have to drill down on special revelation with them first. That we, as we move to Jesus Christ and the other parts of the Godhead, as we talk to them about the sinfulness of man and salvation further, then finally we get to the church, and we have to remind them, that although they believe that they are the one true church, that that was something that, again, Joseph Smith, who shared these revelations that cannot be confirmed by anyone else and that we can point holes through based on the context of Scripture, that as he shared them, that there were issues there. And that as we can look at these issues and as we can study truth, we see that there are other good churches that as they think there is just one true church, guess what? There may be other churches that are Protestant, that are of a different denomination, that are faithfully preaching and teaching the truth, that come to some different convictions, but are right on the gospel doctrines that you need to be to be a follower of Christ, and that's okay. And so we would argue with them that they are not the true church. They are actually a false gospel preaching church. And that the true church is those who are gathered around God's word, preaching, faithfully proclaiming his good news, and that he would receive the glory, not us, because we are fallen, we are sinners. So we would look to our ecclesiology. We've talked about the Mormons, their true church, and what they believe in that. But the last piece I'll read from this great comparison chart from namb.net, shares this about historic Christianity. Christians congregate together in local bodies and along denominational lines, sharing distinctive doctrinal and ecclesiastical concepts. There is no organization or denomination that can claim exclusive designation as the one true church, 
the universal church consists of all of the redeemed in Jesus Christ in all of the ages. There will be people in heaven that have different theological positions from us and praise the Lord for that, for his glory. God works through his church, and his true church proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, not an extra special revelation that is false. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 16, verses 16 through 19, share with us this, and he said to them, this is Jesus speaking as it's in red, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God continues to build his church. God continues to work. And we pray that the Lord would continue to give us opportunities to be able to reach these people and the other world religions, false gospel teaching religions that we will study. So again, when it comes to folks in the Mormon faith, I would encourage you to look first of all at special revelation. Secondly, to how they view Jesus Christ and along with that, the other pieces of the Trinity. Look at salvation. How do they view the sinfulness of man, man's humanity? How do they view salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone? And finally then, how do they view ecclesiology, the doctrine of the true church? Now, this podcast, I said, was going to be a shorter one. Well, guess what? We're pretty close to the normal time that we close out. But uh, as it's a little bit shorter, I hope that it has been helpful, digestible. And as well, if there are other things that you're thinking of that would be great things to talk to Mormons about, uh, things that you have done in your personal study or time speaking with them, I'd love to hear from them and include them in future podcast episodes. Similarly, next we're going to be moving on to Jehovah's Witnesses. If there is a particular doctrine or thing that you have studied that's helped you and your Christian faith be able to reach these people, I'd love to hear about it. Hope that you'll contact me if that's the case, bharris at DelawareBible.org, or by contacting the church office. As always, we appreciate you listening in. It is a blessing to be able to prep and study and prepare and share with you and I'm thankful for this opportunity to do so. Hope that you have a wonderful week ahead. God bless you, and thank you.